Welcome to the H1B Guy podcast. It is my honor and privilege to introduce to you the Stamp It Out Q&A series. This is a series documenting U.S. employment-based immigrants' personal stories. This episode originally aired on August 19th, 2020 on the H1B Guy channel on YouTube. This is an unedited, audio-only version of the H1B Guy Live Stamp It Out Q&A, discussions on immigration, H1B, S386, and more. I was joined by my very good friends, Maddie and his wife, Shakti, who were brave enough to come on the very first Stamp It Out Q&A. I hope you enjoy hearing their story. And a reminder that the H1B Guy podcast is proudly sponsored by RecruiterNetworks.com, the smart solution for digital perm ads since 2001. Recruiter Network saves you time and money. Minimal labor management and flat job post pricing that provides recruitment websites in 1,024 major U.S. metro areas. Their services include automated certified screenshots, ready for upload, and on-demand storage for life. RecruiterNetworks.com. Tell them the H-1B guy sent you. Today, we have two very special guests um, for the H-1B guy live in a session that we're calling Stamp It Out. Um, this is going to be a Q&A uh, that we're going to go through kind of rapid fire um, between myself. Um, but before we get started, I just wanted to remind everybody, if, if you're watching this video and you haven't already, please subscribe to the H-1B guy channel. It helps me to continue to produce content like this for you, which is something that I really want to do. So without any further delay, I'd like to introduce my very special guest here tonight. Um, S.A., if you'll raise your hand for me and, and say hello. Hi. And M.K., if you'll raise your hand for me and say hello. Um, I've had the opportunity to interact with MK um, online for probably about the past three weeks, and uh, he and I have just really befriended each other. Um, we found that a lot of sort of our ideals align, um, not only from a political standpoint, but from a personal standpoint. Um, and, you know, having the opportunity to meet SA tonight and, you know, really what she is looking to accomplish is something that, you know, I'll tell you, um, for me, just so excited to have both of you guys on and, and joining, you know, us here tonight for this live stream. Uh, so the format will be this, you know, we're just going to kind of go back and forth with questions. I'll ask you both a question. You can take turns on how you want to answer it um, and, it, you know, kind of interact. And, and I'd like to interact with you as well. There's, there's really no formalization to what we're doing here tonight. Um, but here's how I want to start, and, and that is, you know, with a pretty easy question, which is, where are you both originally from? Uh, we're from Bangalore, India, yeah. um, from the state of uh, Karnataka, uh, basically. The it's the Silicon Valley of the East, if you will. So, you know, post-1990, uh, the whole, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, economy took took, uh, you know, just just shot up and then, you know, there were a lot of opportunities and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're from Bangalore, yeah. True blood Bangaloreans. 
And I forgot to mention, um, SA, I believe you said that you've been here in the U.S. 13 years now. And um, uh, MK, I think you said it was about eight for yourself, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, you know, one of the questions that I'm always curious about, right? We, we talk about when we're young, we're naive. And uh, if we could always go back and tell our younger self, hey, you know, this is something that you're going to have no idea about and that you're not prepared for. So if each of you could go back and, and tell yourself before you got on the plane and, and flew here to the U.S., what's uh, maybe a couple pieces of advice that you would give yourself? For me, I think uh, I would have told myself to prepare better, but no amount have of preparation would have prepared me for this journey right um, like the like the culture shock and uh, the difference in in you know the place the being and the time it was i i don't know i don't think any amount of preparation would have actually prepared me for this journey <laughs> if i had to tell myself something i would have told probably told myself uh, let go of control. Not everything is going to go your way and just take it easy. <laughs> Such a beautiful way to put it. Um, so, I mean, if, if you were to ask me as to, you know, what I would advise myself, uh, one of those advices actually, which I told myself back then sort of, uh, you know, uh, played out well, uh, I decided against, uh, you know, sort of, uh, uh coming here and studying, uh, masters. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, I had some of my, you know, personal uh, issues with my family and we were not, not able to afford that kind of money at that point of time. And, you know, all those struggles led me to uh, think that, hey, let's hold back for, for now or else I would have probably in, uh, entered here 14 years uh, early. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, apart from that, the other advice, uh, you know, after getting married to Shakti, uh, you know, when I, uh, you know, uh, you know, decided to come here, I would have given is be prepared, be prepared mm -hmm. for um, going into the new world, um, you know, being treated differently, mm -hmm. uh, being, uh, uh, being accepted most of the times and, uh, you know, being thrown opportunities at, and then following the law and all of those things, which I sort of ticked, uh, you know, kind of boxes. Uh, but some of those things which are beyond our control, uh, so as to speak, you know, when it comes to the immigrant life here, um, you know, uh, that's that's what, you know, I would have probably told, hey, file your green card at the earliest. You know, I still delayed like uh, a couple of years. Uh, uh -huh. So that's about the advice that I could all give. The rest of all, you know, I think we've followed it to the T, have we? Yeah, right. Yes. You know, what were some of the big culture shocks? I would imagine the food was probably a big one. Um, the grocery store as well, I imagine, was probably pretty big. Um, you know, I think if, if you've traveled to any other foreign countries, it, it generally is we're shopping for the day or two, right? And, you know, Americans shop for 
30 days in one visit, right? Uh, it's it's very interesting. But uh, I'm curious to say just kind of to, to an add on to your your question, your answer, what, what were some of those things? I mean, outside of the grocery store or, or the food, was there anything else? I, I'm sure the language barrier, right? Being in, in Texas, which we haven't talked about, you guys are, are located in Texas. Um, you know, probably the Southern accents was not uh, a, an American English language you were prepared for either. There's definitely a difference, right? I think, uh, when I came here, I uh, I did my first semester in New York, right? Um, but uh, at least for me, at least I think for both of us, we don't have an uh, we don't have a problem with like you know understanding accents because. You know, we watch a lot of TV while we are traveling here, yeah, and we watch a lot of TV show. And one of my favorites was um, not not the Texan accent, but uh, I used to really like Everybody Loves Raymond. And mm. first friend <laughs> was always there. Like when you're growing up, that's like yeah. uh, something that you do watch, and it used to air on only Mondays. Mm. Uh, but food, of course, was a major part. Uh, that was something that I was not used to. And growing up, we've been like uh, pretty pampered, I would say. Mm -hmm. Like we've never, privileged. yeah, extremely privileged. Mm -hmm. At least for me, I've never lifted a finger while I was growing up. So mm -hmm. that was a 180 degree shift for me to do every single thing by myself. But mm -hmm. that is what makes me who I am, right? Yeah self-sufficient and absolutely i would never i would never take anything uh, uh you know i would not change uh, change a thing about about that experience mm -hmm. but making new friends like absolutely in a absolutely new world <laughs> and uh and walking so much oh my god new york is <laughs> and uh, we were so tight on cash right and um I remember walking like 21 blocks from the uh, Port Authority station to my uh, my university on the 61st uh, street. Mm -hmm. So that was that was uh, quite a bit of a walk, but we did it just to save two dollars, you know, mm -hmm. off the subway. And and I realized the value of money. Mm -hmm. uh, I realized the value of. Um, having a social security number because I didn't have a social back then and we couldn't find an apartment. It was so hard. Um, you know, anything you need a social security number, right? Right. So, luckily we had friends, uh, who were like helping us out, you know, um, taking care of these things where, um, some, you know, trying to get us bank accounts. Uh, student bank accounts we didn't mm -hmm. know about it so everything was absolutely new uh, but <coughs> it really pushed me out of my comfort zone and I really needed that lesson mm -hmm. as for me um, I, I'd say uh, you know the first time I came here uh, she was you know she uh, moved from uh, New York to Thanks. Dallas yeah. and then um, you know I came here first and I we were married we, we were separated for about six months and uh, I mean, uh, he was back yeah. in India. He was waiting for his yeah. visa to come mm -hmm. and, the, and the visa uh, came through and it was for uh, Iowa City. Uh, <laughs> so I went, uh, you know, I was thinking that it's all skyscrapers. Yours is all going to be skyscrapers. And when I came here, the first thing I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm seeing 
cornfields. I'm seeing, um, uh, you know, not many people. And the distance yeah. between two people, like there's, right. there's a bubble, you know. Um, there, there is this, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, whether, whether you call it privacy bubble or whether you call it the interaction space or mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is, it is, it is definitely more. You know, uh, you know, as compared to uh, India, uh, mm -hmm. we were more people in uh, less square footage, if you will. Yeah. And and Iowa is extremely flat, too. Right. I mean, not only cornfields, but just this flat geography and you but know. It's, but such a wonderful place. You know, I it I, is. I started loving it. And by that time, I had to come back to Dallas. Right. Was that the first time you saw snow? Uh, fortunately, it was probably in uh, summer. Uh, yeah, you know, he was there. He yeah, was in I was, Iowa. I was in yeah. summer. You were there in the summer? Okay. Yeah, it was just about for four or five months. And that was my first game. Yeah. So just one sort of last question on your, your immigration journey here. And, and that's, you know, I guess what motivated both of you to come to the U.S.? I mean, I think I say you mentioned it was education and, you know, MK, I, I think it may be, you know, uh, her right but yeah. uh you know yeah. i i guess outside of that what what was it that that you know inspired why you aspired to come here well uh, i don't know i think it's mostly the american dream right you <laughs> uh while you're growing up um it's it's you have like a completely different very very green very beautiful picture of um america and uh, you know what what opportunities you have here and the level of education and it is it is it is at least i was told it is very different from what we have in india and uh i don't know it was i think for a long time i wanted to study here but i didn't think what I'm going to do after. I think that's the preparation part. <laughs> I was not thinking about. I just wanted to uh, study here. And I think my initial plan was just to be here for like um, two years, you know, after <laughs> study and I'm able to make enough to pay my loan back because I mm -hmm. in dollars. I need to earn in dollars to pay my education loan, my huge education loan. Um, so I think that was my initial plan, but then years keep adding and here we are. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And then this becomes home, right? You, yeah. like, right. My, like the bulk of my youth, like I, I'm not too old, but my twenties was spent here. Like this is where you, I, I was studying. This is where I made my career. This is where I got my first home and this right. is where I got my first it's it's like so many firsts of being an adult real adult mm -hmm. first meal mm -hmm. my by myself yeah. so it's it just becomes a way of life and then uh, home like india starts becoming something you you're unfamiliar with because you go there once a year and vacation change yes and then yeah you go and you're like in between yeah yeah i think at least for me i'm in between now so yeah. for for me um uh, we when we were uh you know uh, uh 
uh, when we started dating, um, she uh, traveled to India, uh, probably uh, my summer, my after, first yeah, summer, yeah, uh, yeah. In, instead of doing her internship mm -hmm. to India because she was so sick of living here and she she was. I was homesick. That was terrible. Yeah. Naturally, though, right? I mean, you're literally a full day flight away from your home. Yeah, yeah. I was terribly homesick. Yeah. I wanted to eat like my mom, <laughs> mom's meal. I, I wanted to be with my friends, yeah. and mm -hmm. I was terribly homesick. Yeah. And uh, for mm -hmm. me, uh, you know, I met her when she came here. Yeah. I mean, uh, although I had my GRE and TOEFL and all of those scores, I had. You know, acceptance with uh, various universities here. I decided against it uh, uh, mm -hmm. back in 2006. And uh, um, 2007, 2008, I guess, that's when you traveled first. And uh, we knew each other uh, because we started in the same uh, school back in India. And uh, uh, we sort of met again, if you will, through mm -hmm. a common friend of ours. And uh, uh, that's when we started dating, dating, and then uh, it you know, turned out to be a long distance relationship. She wanted to give mm -hmm. her a job to come back here and find a job um, mm -hmm. to pay her loans. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, uh, so uh, it became a long, long distance relationship. It was tough at first to get used to it. Um, and uh, more so, uh, you know, uh, when uh, we decided that we'd be living in a place, we had arguments back and forth. Uh, we were not. Mm -hmm. I was more insistent on her coming back to India uh, because, you know, I've, obviously I've, I've never left that place. And mm -hmm. uh, she uh, had her own reasons, uh, you know, to find a job here first. So we said, hey, let's let's come up with a formula uh, that we're going to probably spend two years in India and two years mm -hmm. and find out which which suits best. You know, uh, for any other uh, uh, you know couple who would who would be in the situation, say from Switzerland or some 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 other uh, place, mm -hmm. it would be an e easy decision to make. They could right. switch back and forth between uh, countries, and mm -hmm. she didn't wanted to lose that opportunity to uh, work in work on an H one B year. Right. And, um, for me, um, I was like, okay. Um, uh, you know, let's decide on a place. Do you want uh, India or do you want US? Uh, mm -hmm. Agreed to that plan, and she's like, "Let's do US first. You know, that's mm -hmm. the <laughs> trick that. And I here did. you are, eight yeah. years later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Time just flies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's when I uh, decided to come here, and mm -hmm. we, uh, you know, uh, started living with each other after like six months. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you had a, some questions for me. Um, as we talked about at the beginning, this is a the Q and A is intended to go back and forth. I want you guys to ask me questions so yeah. that um, you know you can understand my point of view and, and my take on some issues that I know are pressing for you guys. Mm -hmm. um, so, MK, what do you have for me? Oh, uh, I I have made some notes, <laughs> not to scare you, but. Um, uh, <laughs> I was I was just kind of curious as to uh, you know what got you start uh, got you to start writing about immigration and what's your take on uh, the immigration scene here. Um, you know, I think um, if you look at my experience in my professional career, it was spent as a, an IT recruiter um, in large staffing firms, 
And, you know, I managed an immigration program for about five years where we sponsored H's and um, I was responsible for, uh, for executing perm labor certifications and, you know, getting folks back that were on 221Gs, right? In Chennai, of all places, go figure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, COVID just had an impact on everybody, right? I mean, whether it impacted you or someone in your team, um, you know, my, my role was impacted and I took some time off and I really just thought about very deeply, like, what's next for me and what do I want to do? And, you know, at the root of my being, I want to help people. And what I know about the H-1B visa and what I know about immigration and what I know about term labor and employment-based preferences is very unique, right? My, my experience is from the staffing employer side, not from the immigration attorney side. And I love to talk. And the great thing about what's going on in this day and age is that 85% of people consume video on their phones. Yeah. And what I realized through this whole pandemic is that, you know, there's no reason for us not to be able to work anywhere, right? A nomad lifestyle based on the technology. And I started to think about what's a story that I have to tell. And then I started to look out and see that there was this gap, right? There's immigration attorneys out there that are talking about how they can get your visa approved. But they're not advising the employees on what they need to do for themselves, right? And so what I just had decided is that I'm going to start like writing down ideas and start writing articles. And it just exploded. And I was so excited and convicted about this is what I need to do right now. And you and I talked about this a few weeks ago that, you know, ultimately, I just know that I have a story that that I can tell for others like yourself. Um, but understand that I'm also, I'm, I'm moderate in my views, right? So yeah. I think that it gives me the ability to bridge the gap from the two extremes. Yeah. Because if you go out there and look, there are some pretty extremes. Um, but the second part of the question, my view on immigration, um, you know, I'll start with saying H-1B visas are not the enemy to our country. They're not the enemy to American workers. I believe that they are vital to the economic success of the U.S. economy. I believe that our growth is dependent upon this key contribution. It just is. Um, I am a fourth generation descendant of immigrants that came through Ellis Island. Okay. So how is that any different than, you know, a couple of times removed from your family? And so what I know is that we're a country that's founded on immigrants. The last time I checked, there was only a few native cultures here. Okay. And so, you know, when we peel back and look at what is the term native that you see out there, we're all really descendants of immigrants. And so I think that's it. I just, I, I decided that this was what I was going to do. I started doing it. I didn't know where it was going to go. I've been doing it, you know, not, not quite eight weeks now. And, um, you know, the, the support that I'm being shown through direct messages and through Twitter and through just the growth here on the YouTube channel tells me that I'm doing something right. You are, you are. I mean, there, there are some of those important takeaways where you say that, you know, it is, it is not a nativist country. It's a country of immigrants. So, you know, you hit the uh, nail on the head. So, yeah. The second question that I had was, uh, 
what do you uh, feel about a bill like uh, Fairness for High School Immigrants Act? And how do you, uh, and, and your reasons to support or not support it? Mm. I mean, you know, what's interesting, and when I came up with this idea for the H-1B guy platform, I, I honestly wasn't read up on S-386. I just wasn't. I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't keeping up with current politics. I was trying to save my job and survive, right, in the middle of a pandemic. And then when I started writing, I started seeing it. And so I went out and I read about it, and I was like, wow. You know, when you hear the backlog and, and kind of the definition of what the backlog is right and you start going kind of down the rabbit hole of the data behind it when i was processing perm labor we didn't file anything in eb3 everything was eb2 because that's where you wanted to be that was the fastest track right but when you look at the backlogs now and there's some data out there i mean you know i'm going to pull something up real quick not not on the screen but just mention you know e eb2 current backlog for India, 568,414 people Yeah, right now, okay? Over a half a million, right? And so, you know, I've been very vocal about reform for the H-1B. I think that that's necessary. I think the current shape of what the H-1B looks like and the way it's issued in three-year increments and what it takes for you guys to have the ability to freedom of travel. I, I really want to see reform around the H1. Um, is, is it dual intent? Absolutely. Right now in its current form, it's dual intent and it's created this green card backlog based on employment-based preferences. So a bill like S-386 is what I would tell you is yes. Am I in favor of it? Yes. But I think the catch with S-386, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday on, on um, you know, the H-1B guy on Vail's video on, on that, that I released yesterday where I said S-386 isn't going to solve the entire problem. If you look at some of the data around S-386, it actually, it reduces some, but it creates a further backlog. And some of the projections around S-386, which concern me, are there's some estimates that there could be over 2 million in the backlog in 10 years. Now, I don't know how that's feasible if we were increasing the number of employment-based preferences. But I think when I look at what, what the issue is, and that is there needs to be reform, um, there needs to be reform. There needs to be a plan. I think a 10-year plan where there's a phasing out of the per country quota, right? The 7% per country quota and the 140K cap on employment-based preferences to me are crazy. You're talking about roughly 14% of all green cards issued in each fiscal year in the U.S. are only employment-based. So are we growing our economy with the green card or are we not? Right. And so, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I, I, I hate to use something is better than nothing, but that's really it. Laws need to continue to be modified. And I think the S-386 is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Just just to add to what you said, you know, uh, the bill of uh, Fairness for High School Immigrants Act is not per se to solve the background backlog problem. Backlog problem is there. What it does do is to eliminate the uh, sort of, you know, uh, inherent discrimination in the system, if you will. Uh, right. 
uh, that's that's one of the things that it solves. And the other idea that A386 in fact actually kind of uh, you know helps uh, people who are stuck in backlog is that it's it it's it's the the total quantum of weight for all the people like five, currently it's about five hundred thousand people like what you said if it's two million people the quantum of weight would be drastically reduced the exp it's going to be exponentially reduced because it's not just one country who's suffering the uh, you know brunt of the whole uh, you know change but instead of me waiting 195 years I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to live that long um, I'm I'm saying it would probably reduce to a handful of years probably about you know um, three years to uh, about five years or six years or max you know right. I don't want to give out any number I do not want to be quoted on this but you know, <laughs> right. it's just a, it's just a general math to start off with yeah my math gets fuzzy too so I, but I will tell you you know that's the the article that I posted yesterday in, in, in the video you know my math probably isn't accurate a hundred percent but what I will tell you is that it goes into it goes into this concept of we have to increase the employment-based issues mm -hmm. without necessarily increasing the overall green card allotment. And, and you know, one of Senator Durbin's reasons for blocking S-386 was that it didn't increase the number of green cards. Right. That was something that he was really big about. I don't necessarily think we need to increase that number. I think what we need to do is increase the percentages around the employment-based preferences, right? And yeah. so, you know, how do you do that? And that's that's where the, the bigger problem is. Yeah. So, what what I view of it, like increasing the green card or not, is the is is the American citizen's choice. Like, if you want to, uh, if you guys wanted to, you know. Let, let, let's do it. You know, that's, that's exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. I do not see that there is, uh, that there, I have a say or she has a say per se in sort of, you know, asking for more green cards as such, you know, if it comes, why not? But mm -hmm. uh, we definitely have a say in how we are being treated by the system. Mm -hmm. that's, 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 that's to me, it's what is what S386 is out to solve. And you know that that that's what it should probably stick to. Yeah, just just like yeah. just fairness, right? Yeah, just fairness. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody else is getting it, you know, it's not like they shouldn't get it. No, no, yeah, it's, <laughs> like what? It's not. <laughs> no, no, yeah. like it's like what are we doing wrong? Right. Just just where right. we are born, but we are doing right. everything right. We yeah. have our paperwork. We have we've used the right. We've done means. everything by the law. Yeah. We've, we've mm -hmm. done. Uh, we have stuck by the law. We have not. We've not so much as to, you know, not paid a parking ticket or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, we've been, uh, you know, uh, you know, paying uh, our share of taxes, and not just that. The application fees in extensions and, uh, you know, the amount of uh, uh, money that thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands. I mean, let's be honest with what it is. Yeah. Especially for myself, I'm in the consulting, right? So. Uh, uh, I switch places, I do contracts and mm -hmm. I get lesser extensions. And that means to say I'm filing like once a year, 
Know, yeah, 12, 12 months or 24 months issued based on kind of the the SOW that you're you're working under, which right. leads me leads me into a great question. And, and I was I wanted to ask both of you because there's this, you know, a lot of terms out there, high skilled specialty occupation, right? Like, what do those mean? So you don't have to get into who you work for, but I'm just curious career, like what do you guys do? You know, developer, you mentioned consultant, um, you know, what, what's your technology that, that you guys operate in? What's, what's your specialty occupation? I, I uh, work on uh, Java, um, uh, Java EE, um, AWS, Kubernetes, and all the, you know, cutting edge and bleeding edge, uh, you know, sort of stuff I'm kind of, you know, out there up to date. And I participate in the Metropolis user group here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, you know, sort of in the community uh, completely updated. And that's that's what keeps me uh, kind of valuable. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know high skilled or whether it's low skilled or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I like I like technology. I'm passionate about technology. So, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I I'm glad that I'm making a living uh, out of what I like. Well, that's technology. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm in I'm in telecommunications. Mm -hmm. I I really like what I do also. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how low like he said. I think that is in comparison, <laughs> and uh, that is relative, right? Yeah. She she's mm -hmm. she is working on four G and five G technology, so you can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, think about it, right? Who isn't stuck to their phone these days, you know? So uh, again, I mean, you know, MK for what you what you do, and and a lot of folks don't understand when we talk about Java, AWS cloud, right? Kubernetes for DevOps pipelines and and containers, right? Um, there's a lot of individuals who probably aren't watching this right now, but they have no idea that the applications that they're hitting across multiple sites that they touch, yeah. backend or built in Java, Spring Boot, AWS, Kubernetes, and, and they have no idea. They could tell you how to code one line of that, right? But they want it to work and they want it to work in, in, in milliseconds, you know? Yeah. So, um, so it's always, Interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I know we've talked about this a good bit and, and you've been, you know, pretty vocal about reform and, and S386. And, you know, is there anything else that, that you either of you have thought about that, that you would like to see changed? Um, I don't know. Uh... Uh, less of uh, corporatism, if you will. Uh, I mean, for me, uh, you know, if, if 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 there is more power to the people, uh, uh, that would be awesome. I, I would say, if if, if the people of uh, if the United States, uh, if the people of the United States are kind of in control of what they can do, and if they have more say, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in in things rather than the uh, entities. Uh, rather than private entities, that would be awesome for me. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's like a obscure thing. I I'd like to not reveal, reveal much, if you will. Uh, yeah. About that aspect. Sure. Uh, but apart from that, I don't think that anything else needs to change as such. Maybe um, connectivity 
in terms of mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, local trains, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, yeah, the the mass transit metro. Yes, and less ghettoization, if you will. We want every yeah. uh, you know uh, sort of people to mix and gel well. Yeah, but but it's it's a great place. You know, you get to meet people. You get to meet uh, uh, you know various kinds of people. You get to meet different kinds of mindsets and uh, backgrounds and the cultures and the languages. Oh, oh right. man. Uh, I thought India had too many languages when I came here. Uh, <laughs> the amount of languages in the world is astounding. And, and that's what makes it what it is. What, um, what other questions? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I said no, you were going to say something. I, I don't know. I cannot think about like what I would like to change. Maybe small things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, probably just accessibility. But we are... I would say we are pretty privileged, uh, yeah. you know, thankfully, um, and we are able to get by. We are able to have mm-hmm. our, we, we are doing financially work. You know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to like jinx, jinx it. it. <laughs> Absolutely. We cross your fingers and knock yeah. on wood, right? That's, that's what we say. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm knocking on wood. <laughs> yeah. She's the believer in our house. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah yeah i i think we we are able to manage but mm-hmm. you know when when people have lesser i think you know we should not have anything to complain yeah i mean we, we we've made it a point that you know whatever we can save uh a certain amount of it is also you know uh, goes into charities and donations mm-hmm. and so you know we've, we've we're completely well off so that's 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 not an issue. Not as such. completely well off. We we, we are, are pretty okay. well. We are okay. Yeah. We're a lot okay. a lot different than the two dollars you needed to uh, to get a coke and and some crackers. <laughs> I'm when you're in in master school. No, I think the point though, you know, Nessa, you made this said this earlier, and, and I think it's okay for you. Trust me to say that you're in a good place, but you're in a good place because you have discipline and you learned that years ago, the value of the dollar. You know, I think a lot of times um, I look at myself and when I left my parents' house and went to college, I honestly didn't learn that value for a long time. And it's nothing that they did. I think just when we're young, you know, you feel almost invincible and you don't understand the value and the effort that goes into to things. But I think that what I've found in what your story is that it's not unique. It's not that you're not spending money on things that are necessary and even some things that are maybe luxury, but you're also disciplined in your tithe, right? You're giving, Um, and you know, it's funny that you say that because that's something that I've thought about a lot on this channel is what is going to be my charitable path, right? And what, what kind of effort can I get through with this platform where, you know, we can run some sort of, of campaign, raise capital and make a significant contribution, um, to an effort that I think is worthy. And, and I think, I think we all want to get to that point to where we give more than we receive, right? Just the, the, the gratification that comes with that is, is 
for me personally, it, it is, it's something that I'm striving for and, and hope to, to use this platform to do. So uh, what other questions do you have for me? Uh, yeah, I, I do have a couple more, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, you know, uh, we know that you're an American citizen. So mm -hmm. in general, do you feel that uh, Americans support immigration? And what do they say about uh, a bill like S-386 when it's mm -hmm. when they first get, get to hear it and then the, the whole story behind it and things like that? Have you ever had a chance to speak outside of... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you kick off something like I've done, right, you work your entire network. And, you know, when I posted my first, hey, this is what I'm doing, um, a lot of my friends were like, what space language are you talking about? And and there's a lot of people that kind of knew what I did, but they don't really understand it. Um, and, you know, my wife is a primary example of it. She watches my videos, but she she's learning. but she's as smart as they come and she still is like what are you talking about so i think that as a whole the percentage of um yeah exactly right I, I but i think as a whole the percentage of americans that truly understand like your plight i think it's it's very minor and that's unfortunate because when you talk about okay current h1b approvals in the us are almost set over six hundred thousand right now so you're talking about over 600,000 currently living in the U.S., right? And then you add that to the backlog numbers, which are estimated to be somewhere between 800 to a million. So anywhere between a million to a million and five individuals are in this status. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that very small percentage, no, unfortunately. I would put that at less than 20% um, yeah. in terms of their understanding of what you know s386 is i would also say that's a very small percentage um you have a very vocal minority right yeah. and what that vocal minority is that's against s386 um is still be to, to be determined right you know i think there's there's a lot of curiosity around who's advocating against it and why when you look at you know 99 senators for weeks at a time were in favor of it Right. So you're talking about the constituency of those individuals is in support of it. Right. I think when we look at the law as a whole, we're talking about something that was put in place in 1990, signed by President Bush, the first Bush, 1990. That's when the employment based categories were created and the 7% country quota for employment based preferences was created. So I think as a whole, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind for the average American. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the things I've talked about a lot, and you know this, is that what, what I've been very adamant about is that if we don't continue the H-1B pipeline or some sort of employment-based preference category for highly skilled high tech, guess what? Those jobs, they're not going to go to American workers. They will go to a team of folks in Costa Rica or a team of folks in Bangalore or a team of folks in Minsk, right? It just, it, that is what will happen. Because when you start to look at some of the tech companies in San Francisco that have been in the news and saying that they've been nearshoring to Canada, they're spending 30% less and finding that the quality is as high or higher than what they've had here in the U.S. It, we need to wake up because yeah. we're going to lose, we're going to lose economic growth through jobs and through technology. 
so so you know the pandemic has made it clear the 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 distance do, does not matter anymore right uh, so i could be sitting in india and i could take essentially take the job which i was doing here back to india and i'm not saying right. that you know you know you know you know in a way that i want to go back to india or anything i i love it here uh but what i'm trying to say is for people who are uh you know vocal against this um, bill you know one of the fallouts of this would be you know jobs would be going offshore or mm-hmm. do we, i i i certainly do not want it to go go to any other place right you know? yeah so well when i mentioned to you you know my my friend and i know several folks that have you know gone to australia and gone to canada right and the process was super smooth they were welcomed with open arms and if we're not careful we'll start to see the exodus that that's already happening and it yeah. started happening 3 years ago um it it did yeah. that's when you go back and look at 2017 is when it when individuals a lot of folks that i know started to look and say what are my options yeah we're actually and, you know we, yeah it was we we have spoken about it but you know we are like let's wait it out let's wait it out and here right yeah right and just, uh, it, it just it's just so you know i don't know it's like uh, it's constricted it's so constricted you know something that should be easy yeah. right mm-hmm. you, you know something that should be as easy as if i need to go to mm-hmm. india and come back i should mm-hmm. not be worried or you know it should it should be smooth like why why should that be a point of concern or mm-hmm. you know the the smallest things like um like i think like 10 years ago uh, there was a storm in uh, washington dc and that was my connecting flight and uh, so the flight my connecting flight from dubai to washington was canceled for the day and uh, all americans or the green card holders were able to like just take a walk outside and uh, enjoy dubai right mhm but to stay inside the airport i was right. for entire 24 hours and mm-hmm. uh, of course i was trying to save 2 dollars so i wouldn't pay like some 300 dollars <laughs> to get a visa to go outside <laughs> uh, So not not was, for four hours outside the airport right yeah and i i wouldn't dare you know like uh, do something like that and even at that time even if i could get the visa i was so worried about like my immigration oh will uh, am i if i step out in like another country on you know you know on my way to the us will it impact my entry mm-hmm. like i've made it through i've got everything yeah. but maybe it was small things like thing this at yeah. that time but yeah. it is it's something that we I, i don't know right what what if like the immigration officer says oh you stop in dubai i can't let you in i don't know uh so it's it's like no, yeah it's I, that fear you're right just yeah. everything is driven by fear like yeah. it's yeah it's some uh, just just simple things it's like uh uh i i heard long time back on the radio right if i somebody was asking i got a um um what i got a ticket i got, i got a ticket will it will it harm my green card process yeah that was the question so it like we are all in the same 
situation. Yeah. I, would say. Yeah. I, I would say mostly uh, for us to do is like, you know, uh, me being separated from my family. My mm-hmm. mom is alone at this point of time back in India. What should I do? You know, should I bring her here? Why is it if I bring her here, uh, why is it only for six months? Uh, you know small things like this it's not a small thing for it might be a small thing for others but for me it is it is it is huge and uh, my mom is perplexed as to why do you want to do this and i'm like right (laughs) you know well and if you do bring her here it's maximum of 60 days right you know if you're talking about the the b1 or b2 path right and you know the ability to to how long they can stay it's pretty minimal um and you know, flights are—they were, you know, fifteen to two thousand dollars. I think they're probably a little cheaper now, but I, I don't—I don't know. I can't say that I've—I've I've looked, but yeah. I mean, I think that that's—that's that's a constant struggle, and it's—it's it's something I'll tell you that you hear a lot, right? Is that you know, I have to go for stamping every one to three years. That's why this live. Q&A is called Stamp It Out because guess what you have to do? Every one to three years, you've got to go and you're putting your you're putting your livelihood on the line, right? Your assets here in the US, your 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 career, right? And and kind of everything that goes along with your current life and, and who you are. And guess what? That's now we, when we see a lot of what's been in the news, the whole exception terminology. You know, you hear about um, the exception, the exception. It's at the discretion of the consulate's processing officer, the discretion of the PO. Um, Most Americans have no idea what that process looks like, the anxiety that surrounds it, and the amount of documentation that you have to carry with you, literally a folder that is locked up, right? Am I right? Like literally zip up. Okay, yeah. and and some and, and it's approval. Fire, we leave our time. Probably take that fire. Right, fire. Yeah, yeah. You better have it in the safe. The fireproof folder, right? Yeah. Because you have to have that, and what it takes, all the previous approval notices, all these pay stubs, all the letters, like everything that goes along with that process. And then the fees associated, right? We we joke like, "Hey, your house catches on fire. What's the first thing you're taking out? It's your documents for you guys." Exactly. <laughs> just is, you know. And and I think that's the reality. You you, you asked me the question. Are most Americans aware of it? No, and they're not aware of that reality, that fear and anxiety, the the freedom of travel that we have. That if you guys don't have a stamp, your I ninety four is expired. <laughs> Guess what? You've got to go through that process. And if you're consulting and, and you're working on third-party and client sites in some cases, guess what? Those renewals are every 12 months. They just are. That's that's the way that, that the move has happened over the last four years um, and kind of the, the scrutiny around, you know, the, 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 the true sort of consultant type profile. Um, but that demand is, is still there. So it, it, it just is. Did, did you have any other questions for me? Was there anything else? Um, I think those were it as such. Um, you know, I would just want to say, you know, what are the chances of uh, S386 passing? Would it pass? Would it not pass? Yeah. We can say, you know, uh, when a, a parting note, maybe. Yeah. When um, I watched the debate about a month ago, 
with um, Senator Durbin and and Senator Lee, and they were at kind of the standstill. And you know, the two weeks passed before it it hit the floor again. And then I started to I think a lot of us started to hear the rumors that some concessions were being made. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, I was like, okay they're they're consenting they're actually there is some you know bipartisanship that that's happening here and this is the politics game that's been played for a couple of centuries in our country it just is right there's political favors and concessions that have to happen you know you hear me talk about following the money a lot and that was a big part of it it was about the money there was a money aspect to this absolutely Senator Durbin wasn't blocking that out of the, the the evilness of his heart. That was not what was going on. It was about the money. And, and anyone who believes or wants to tell you otherwise is, is delusional. They just are. But I will tell you, I, I pulled up the Senate floor the day that um, S-386 went back on the Senate floor for debate. And I couldn't get the audio to work. So I literally read the debate in subtitles and it was riveting. I literally was on the edge of my seat because I've been following this pretty closely. And I heard the concessions being made, right? The concessions were made by Durbin. There was an agreement from Senator Mike Lee. um, And we were there. We were going to have unanimous consent. And then up in the top, corner you know off the top rope right i mean wwe which is a wrestling analogy you know comes the the senator from florida um with the rosetta stone amendment which anyone who has any bit of intelligence would tell you that makes no sense for high fairness for high skilled immigrants it just doesn't um, there's been a lot of jokes about it, right? And, you know, the funny thing about the Indian culture and the intelligence that goes along with um, your guys' ability to command multiple languages, you know, I, I mean, I haven't asked you, but I imagine you would both probably speak two, maybe three um, languages. And and so, you know, think about that, right? You're like ready to go learn Spanish. Here you are in Texas. You could benefit from that greatly, right? If that's what's needed. Um, but I think that just shows you the length that 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 you guys are willing to go. Um, but back to the question. Until it was objected by Rick Scott, Senator Scott, uh, I I thought it was going to pass a couple of weeks ago. I I, I thought it was there, mm-hmm. and then his objection and his reference to I consulted with the White House and. We've they've determined that they need more time to review its impact, right? I think those are uh, I'm I'm air quoting that roughly, um, and that the point being is very clear that it was mandated by the White House, so it became a political favor, and so that tells me that the White House doesn't want to touch this thing until after the election. So the current administration is going to push this thing back. Unless they come through with some sort of executive order, which been has been rumored, there's been a merit-based executive order that's been rumored. I, I don't think we're going to see that um, right now either. I, I don't think that that has any value to to the administration and their their campaign for re-election. Um, but right now, I, I'm not confident that 
S386 would pass. And I, I think that without the support of the administration, right, you're going to have the, st the standstill that, that we have. Um, I'm very interested tonight because, again, we're into day three now of the Democratic National Convention. And uh, Kamala Harris is, is going to take the stage tonight, as we've talked about on this channel and, and, and written on the on the site is she was the co-sponsor with Senator Mike Lee on the Fairness uh, for High Skilled Immigrants Act. Right. So. So far in the previous two days, the only thing the Democrats have talked about in the Democratic National Convention is there's been some reference to the DACA folks. OK, but other than that, they have not addressed the employment based preferences, the temporary foreign laborers with high skills. So I'm really curious tonight, you know, probably about 1045, she's going to take the stage or they'll broadcast to see if she brings it up because her stance on immigration is is very pro. Right. I mean, you know, you're talking about um, bi biracial. Right. And, uh, you know, ultimately someone from California who's very pro on immigration. So right now, as is leading into the election, I don't see S386 passing unless something miraculous happens. Two weeks ago, right before the objection from Senator Scott, I thought it was going to happen. And I wasn't confident leading into those two weeks, right? But I think you saw the assault on Twitter that happened um, and kind of the, the grassroots movement that, that really shifted some of the bipartisanship. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, from, from my perspective, I think it, it still has a fair chance. And I'm thinking that, you know, it's going to all culminate onto uh, uh, what President Trump uh, promised on the uh, uh, on the executive order in terms of, uh, uh, you know, how he's going to handle uh, uh, the, the immigration problem. And mm -hmm. I, I probably say, uh, uh, you know, that there, there is a fair chance. So, yeah. I mean, uh, to all those people who are uh, in this, uh, you know, uh, in this cause, you know, uh, working for it, working hard for it, continue your good work. You know, uh, you know, it's it's just a matter of one more senator, and it's mm -hmm. just more objection is what I feel, and yeah. I feel that you know, you know, until the it, it ain't over until it's uh, it's over, if you will. And yeah, uh, you know, to all the people who are uh, opposed to this, you know, we are real lives, we are affected. Uh, mm -hmm. I want you to be. Uh, I mean, my request would you to be. Uh, for you all would be to be considerate of, of mm -hmm. our, our, our plight and then see mm -hmm. uh, if you guys were to be in our side, if we, you know, uh, do a role reversal, how would you guys handle it? And right. would you guys be okay with that? Or would you guys not be okay with that? Or whatever, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, uh, things to ponder upon, if you will. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's let's continue the good fight. That's, that's that's all I can say, and then we are so close, and I'm sure it's going to pass. I mean, I think reform is evident, right? There's there's another bill, um, S thirty seven seventy, that's also that was uh, introduced in in May, that's around H one B reform. Um, so you know, I, I was I read some rumors as well that there was some discussion around you know the the, the fairness um, for high skilled uh, immigrants act being 
included into the stimulus, uh, the second stimulus bill as well, some some language from it. But, you know, we haven't seen really anything on that. I mean, when you, you go back and you look at the news about the Postal Service, the continuation of USCIS with the potential furloughs, I mean, we're in a very interesting place right now um, with the ne necessity for reform um, around the H-1, uh, the elimination of, of the green card backlog. Uh, you know, you look at the 50-50 rule and, and, and what that is looking to accomplish. Uh, so, uh, again, yes, you know, I'm in favor of it as of today and kind of the current climate. You know, I love that you're confident about it. I think that it could happen. I don't I don't see it happening this year, unfortunately. I wish I wish my opinion was different and maybe in a week or two that could change, right? Um, you know, I think one thing and, and I've I've noticed and and you know with Mike Lee is is um Senator Mike Lee, uh, you know, very much a moderate uh, <laughs> Republican, almost libertarian leaning. And, um, you know, he spent nine years working on immigration reform in the U.S. Senate. And uh, he's a heck of a debater. I, I really have enjoyed him. I think that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, have ever uh, thought in 100 years that I would uh, politically agree with a uh, Republican senator from Utah. But I do. And, you know, it's it's one of those that I think it's about opening our mind and listening, educating ourselves on what the root of the real problem is. So um, I had one last question for you. And, you know, you've been so supportive of me and my content and, um, you know, my, my Twitter feed and my channel here and, and my website. And I, I just want to thank you for that. But. You know, I, I wanted to ask you, what, what was it that, that drew you in? You know, what, what was it that, that interested you and in, in listening to me talk about a whole lot of nothing? <laughs> well, um, I, I'd say you were getting all, uh, you know, uh, you, you were in the right path. Uh, you were talking about immigration. You were talking about legal immigration or documented immigration, if you will. And uh, we, uh, you know, needed, we needed support. We needed uh, to hear sane voices, not the, uh, you know, pro S386 uh, voices uh, and not the, uh, the people who are against it and things, things like that. Just, but okay. just sane voice, and, uh, an everyday American voice, if you will. So that's when I thought that it might be interesting, you know, uh, for me to, you know, ask you questions, shoot questions at you. Uh, so that you could answer on your videos, uh, so that, you know, we also could at the same time amplify our voices. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, um, you and I had talked about that, like, how, how do we do more? Right. And I think, you know, that answer is difficult. Um, but I think it comes back to masses, right. Uh, organizing in masses, a, a very focused, direct effort, um, you know, understanding that, um, you know, it takes time, right, uh, to talk about these things, to change people's opinions and, and to change the way that, that we look at things and, and how we look at people. You know, I was, um, I went to pick up my, uh, my children earlier and I was behind a car and uh, it had a magnet on it and it said America love lives here and what's interesting about that is 
there is a lot of love that's been shown in this country recently, a lot of banding together, but there's also been a lot of destruction and tearing of people apart. And, you know, I, I, listen, in my history, uh, I've been guilty of some of those things, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to be a better human. Um, and that, you know, I generally do care and love this country. Um, I care and love about the future for my my kids and my legacy, right? And and talking with you, I know that that's something that's very important for you and and your legacy and and your family that that you guys are building. And you know, I I just wanted to say thank you, um, thank you both of you so much um, for coming on tonight with me for being willing to speak up and put your face on camera and on this platform because i can tell you you know I, i've interacted um a lot with a lot of um you know foreign nationals over the better part of the last 16 years and you guys are in the minority and willing to to do what you're doing right now and what you've done i hope that we get this message across to someone who maybe is afraid to speak up and I hope that just through this 60 minutes that, that the three of us have spent together, that we can make an impact, not only maybe now or tomorrow, but maybe somebody that watches this in the next months leading up to the election. Um, I didn't look today, but I, we're somewhere in the mid 70s on, on when the election is. It's 75 or 76 days, I believe, until the November election. And if somebody watches that between now and then and makes a decision based on the platform of of how they're going to vote not necessarily for the president but just even for the 36 senate seats that are up for grabs because that changes the course of our country as well and so that's what makes democracy such a beautiful thing um, but it's also what makes it so frustrating is everything it takes to get it to that point and how quickly it can change so to both of you, just thank you thank so you. much. I'm just so appreciative. I, I just cannot thank you enough. Um, you know, we didn't get any questions tonight. I didn't ask for any. So, you know, may, shame on me. We had plenty of, of interaction between the two of us. Um, but before we wrap this up, I just wanted to kick it back to the, the two of you. If there's anything that, that you wanted to, to close out with before we wrap up. You want to say something? When you eat Indian food, eat them after. <laughs> uh, I, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, to uh, to the American public that you know it, we are uh, kind of uh, you know lucky to be here, and we have you know got all the love. Keep continue. I mean, uh, continue giving this love to us, and we love this place, and. Uh, uh, you know, we um, want to call this home. We want to, we, this is our home. Well, it is your home, right? Yeah. I, I don't look at it as anything but that, right? It, it is your home. And, you know, we, going back to the bumper <laughs> sticker, love lives here. Yeah. But we don't know. We'll soon know. Yeah. We right. Know. And that's the fear and uncertainty. And that's why it's so important for you guys to come on tonight like you have. Um, I'm going to continue to talk about this. Um, you know, I know that the three of our journeys aren't done together. Um, I know that, that, that the three of us have more work to do together. I believe that I'm convicted in that. Um, so, you know, I know this isn't the last you'll hear from me and, and, and vice versa, but, um, 
you know, again, just just wanted to thank you guys so much and and, and joining me here tonight. And um, you know, I just I wanted to uh, to to wrap up just really quickly. Um, you know, for everyone out there, if you haven't had a chance uh, to um, to check out the h1bguy.com, you know, there are several posts out there. Uh, as I mentioned, the one from yesterday, the H-1B guy unveils a solution for uh, solving the employment-based green card backlog. Um, if you want to follow MK on Twitter, Mad and Witty, at Mad and Witty, he's a great follow. Um, be careful because he uh, cuts with both sides of the sword. So uh, uh, don't don't come at him with anything weak, okay? Um, because be prepared. He's, he's, he will slice and dice you up. And, um, you know, SA, I just want to thank you for joining as well and telling your story and, and your journey and, um, you know, hearing, hearing your take on it. And, um, you know, just, again, thank you guys so much. Uh, there, uh, so tomorrow, going to have another post that will go up um, on the h1bguy.com and here on the, uh, the YouTube channel. Um, tomorrow we're going to, going to tackle merit-based immigration and what that looks like. Um, so really excited about that. And, uh, we're going to cover what it means when you hear these terms point-based system. Um, and then next, and then Friday, of course, we'll have another episode of the H1B guy news. Um, and that's, uh, that'll be on uh, August 21st, Friday, August 21st. And um, I, I had the opportunity uh, yesterday to sit down with a colleague. We're going to tell a story about uh, uh, someone who had lived in the U.S. who migrated to Australia. Um, so I'm really excited to tell that story next week. But, um, you know, as always, just really to both of you, thank you again for your time. Um, check you. out uh, the post on the h1bguy.com. And, uh, you know, we're going to wrap up here and uh, say good night. But, uh you know, this is the H1B guy here and, uh, you know, your global source for all things H1B. Just thank you to everyone who took time to watch this video, to join us for the live stream. And uh, don't forget to like and subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. Good night, everybody.